Hey guys, welcome to Tales of Recovery. This is Greece Alves, your host, and we're at it again today on the topic of cult versus family. And, you know, a lot of times I come on here and say things that other people want to say but don't. And this is part of my recovery, this is part of my processing, and this is part of what this podcast is about, is overcoming pain and struggle and different ideas seen with curiosity and compassion, and therefore recovering something from that experience, whether you're going to be giving out and helping others and you know, giving this as medicine to the world, or just sharing your heart and feeling a little bit better about being heard and being able to tell your story. So today... That's what I'm going to do, is I'm going to tell a little bit of my story and my thoughts on this Don Corleone concept of a family that sometimes feels like a cult. And we have this sense of obligation that we have to always be with the family and that you can't, you know, you have to have this sense of, um, like, you can't ever say anything or do anything wrong because then you'll be kicked out of the family. Or if you talk um, about something bad that happened, then... Ooh, you're going to hear about it from mom or dad or uncle or aunt or somebody else. And I am sort of found this freedom to speak about this because even though I've always felt very oppressed, I mean, my family is great. Don't get me wrong. I'm just, this is just for fun and a topic. And if you relate, you relate. And if you don't, you don't. But for me, I grew up feeling a lot of pressure from the family to always perform a certain way, to always show up, to always do what they expected of me, not just my mom and dad, but like the grandparents, the uncles, the extended family. And I have a big Mexican family. So you can imagine some of these reunions and get togethers. And I remember as a kid having to go and not really wanting to go to like whatever it was, you know, a dinner here or a get together there. And, and as I grew, I just learned to cope. And any family party was, well, there's going to be a lot of drinks, so it'll be okay. Good food, good drinks, whatever. Right, You can show up, start to drink, and then it didn't matter because you could relax. I could be myself. I could not care. And you know that didn't end very well for me after many, many years. And so now, you know, as I come in and through lots of lots of years of hard work and recovery and writing and thinking and um, counseling and yoga and you name it. I mean, if there's any sort of healing adventure that is available, I'm in it. Let's go. And what I've come to see is <clears throat> that I'm not the only one that feels like this, right? I mean, most families together are like super stressful and super triggering for people, very triggering um, Thanksgiving and Christmas and all those have-tos and different weddings and just, you know, my family wants to get together every Sunday. And for a long time when I first got married, because, you know, that's one of the persons I actually, you get to choose, you right? Your partner. And... You know, one I remember, I don't know many how many years we've been together, and he's like, can we just do a Just You and Me Sunday? It's like, well, no, because Sundays are the cult day. I mean, the family day. You can't not go because you just can't. That's just what you do. And I began to, like, just notice and observe, and I thought, yeah, you know, we can do our own thing. And, like, I didn't go to a Christmas couple of times, and that was just like, whoa, she didn't come. And for me, it was so freeing and so amazing. But, you know, subconsciously, you're thinking, oh, my God, I'm betraying them, you know. Don Corleone, you didn't go to the Christmas. And it wasn't until I read this amazing book by 
this guy who's just, I, you really, really, really have to go read this book. It's called Dismantled by Bruce Sanguin. And in it, he mentions, you know, he talks about the dark side of family and the politics of family. And I, I was reading the book and my draw dropped. I mean, my, my jaw literally dropped because I, for the first time, was like, whoa, somebody else is writing about this. And I've thought about this for so long, but I just feel like you can't say these things because well, then people are going to think you're evil, you know. And I'm going to read to you a little part of that book. But first, you know, I looked up the definition of cult and the definition of family. And it's funny because there's lots of different definitions. But the first one, I mean, the third one for cult was this, besides the religious cults and all that. The third one said, a misplaced or excessive admiration for a particular person or thing. So there is an excessive admiration for the institution of family. And it's not that it's bad, right? You need your family, whatever. You need your peeps. But I think community might be a better word than just family. But that's what, that was one of the definitions. And then the second definition of family, um, you know, the first is a typical mom and dad and the kids living together, a group of parents living together, and then a household or a group of people related to, to one another. And then they had the informal definition of family, which was a group of people united in criminal activity. <laughs> Boom, right there, the criminal activity of traumatizing the kids and imposing the intergenerational trauma and blueprints into your babies, into your nephews, into your other, you know, coming, little, coming, small little souls and bodies into this new family. And you're transposing some of the good and some of the bad without awareness. So, you know, I'm not in here talking about how just, oh, let's just blame the family for everything and let's just call them a cult. It's just kind of processing thinking out loud, how maybe we could do better, you know, because I know with my kids, I realize now that they're not my kids for me to own. These are kids that came through me to do their life in this beautiful earth and then the opportunity that they have to be here. We get to love them, nurture them, coach them, hang out with them but they're going to grow and they're going to go. And the quote-unquote obligation of them to serve me and honor me and, and have like this huge respect for me is, first of all, I don't think is valid. I don't, they, they can't, they can't. I'm a mess. I'm a human being that makes mistakes. But that's the expectation that I had with my parents and with my grandparents. And so I'm trying to break that. And it's really been difficult for me because even though I rebel and I do my thing, you know, of course there's, this, there's like these subconscious thoughts. Am I doing the right thing? Am I messing them up? And then, you know, and then I think, no, this is good. This is good. These are kids that are, um, that are not my little trophy kids, right? They're these amazing souls and these beautiful humans that get to do and be kind and 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 come in here and experience life. And if I can share that with them, that's good. But that's not their purpose, is to venerate me or have this obligation of like this family or this cult. And um, it's interesting what this guy says in the book. One of the, I'll read you a little piece of it. He's just talking about how, um, and this is just his sense, Bruce Sanguin. I'll read you, it's on chapter seven. He talks about how when the moments humans shifted from village life to the nuclear family is when trouble started. There's an elder, Malidoma Somme. She writes about village life in Burkina Faso. 
Still today, every child has multiple mothers and fathers. The boundaries between families are more porous. Everything is on public display. In the age of the nuclear family, generational trauma and the violence of parents against their children are hidden from public view. If somebody wanted to create an institution in which emotional, physical, and sexual abuse could thrive, the family as we know it in the West would fit the bill. Trauma expert Bessel van der Kolk opens his book, The Body Keeps the Score, Mind, Brain, and Body in the Transformation of Trauma, with some sobering statistics. Ready? Here we go. One in five Americans was sexually molested as a child. One in four was beaten by a parent to the point of a mark being left on their body. And one in three couples engages in physical violence. A quarter of us grew up with alcoholic relatives. And one out of eight witnessed their mother being beaten or hit. These numbers almost certainly underestimate the reality. They do not take into account the emotional trauma of neglect, nor of mothers who cannot love their children. I mean, when I read this, I thought, wow. You know, and I have, you know, a fun family. Everyone's always coming over to the house, and um, my parents are great, and we all laugh, and I love my brother and my sister. But there is this sense sometimes that I don't really want to go to someone's house or the uncle or the aunt or or this family reunion here and it's like oh but you have to because it's the family it's the family and so there you go and you end up feeling triggered and and you know it's like I feel sometimes uncomfortable and like you know it and I just I don't know I see all these kids just having to sit there through these horrible dinners and they're all bored and I always, you know, gravitated to the kids growing up. And wherever there were little kids, that's where I'd go and I'd sit and I'd hang out with them and I'd just tell, tell stories or joke around or sing songs with them um, because I feel for them. And, and I think when you're a kid, you're still kind of playing around, not really realizing but what's going on. But as you start growing older and they start imposing, in particular when you have your own kids and you show up and your brothers or your uncles or the aunts or somebody else comes and tells you what you need to be doing with your child and why are you not educating them the way that they educated you or their kids or whatever. And it's that's what I mean by cult. Like there's one thing is to have a legacy and a tradition and the other is to just observe and allow the freedom for other people to do, you know, unschooling or different ways of learning or different ways to raise kids that have more freedom and liberation in the way they express themselves, in the way they participate in these reunions or in these gatherings. And, you know, just being able to to step out of these patterns and these blueprints of very rigid and expected what I call are the cult laws, you know, like you have to come inside and kiss everyone and say hello to everyone, like bow and do a little curtsy. Why can't you just come in and wave and say, hey, everybody, I'm here and sit down. If you don't have, you know, or if you're very sensitive and you don't want to go around kissing and hugging everyone, you don't have to do it. If you like to do that, go ahead. But if you don't like to do it, you shouldn't have to do it. You know, you, I don't think there's an obligation to always come and um, and never be able to say no to particular things or have so-and-so come in and grab you by the cheek and tell you that you're too fat and that you should eat this and that you, why are you going to, to, to this school? You should be studying that. And are you ever going to get married? And when are you going to have babies? What the fuck? 
just leave him alone, right? I mean, for a time there, you know, my, my daughter, a couple of friends of hers, it was just like when you're a junior, you can't show up to any place because it's always it's the, the main question is, well, what are you going to do with your life? Are you going to go to college? Like, what are you doing next year? What are you doing next year? And it's so, um, it was just so, I think, very personal. And it's cultural, right? They're always going to ask you this. I would tell my daughter, look, if somebody comes up and asks you, hey, what are you doing next year with your life? And you don't want to tell them, you can say, hey, can you just tell me how much money you have in your 401k? And maybe like how many times you have sex with your wife of 40 years now? I mean, it's a very personal question. Well, so is what are you going to do with your life? That's my life. And if you feel like talking about it, you can go ahead and talk about it, but maybe you don't want to talk about it. And these are things that happen in these like little cult societies where not only do you have all these triggers of what happened in your lifetime that you maybe weren't supposed to talk about or or that you couldn't express your emotions growing up because buckle up and and don't cry about this and don't ever tell anybody that we fight or that we are struggling with money or that your auntie is an alcoholic or that so-and-so was in the medical hospital or that you know, my long lost cousin over there committed suicide. Like you can't say these things because we have to pretend that we're this perfect family. And by the time you're older, you know that this is all a bunch of baloney. Every other family is just as wild and crazy. And so why do we have to come in and pretend? Number one. Number two, um, can we just relax a little bit about being able to say no and have healthy boundaries? And also, you know, we don't want to just let go of the family, of course. I mean, there's good things about the family. I, I, wrote, I try to write some down here. Um, you know, we support each other. You help each other. You can call your sisters and vent with them and or help out when you have older parents or little babies. Um, you can relax and notice and accept other parenting skills and choices instead of judging or comparing. That would be huge. That would be very, very huge. Um, but also... You know, is there a possibility that we can just notice how much we want to create different families, like your friends and people that you choose and, you know, the like your friends in high school and college or your neighbors or people that you meet in different places that are super, super cool with you and super, super tight. And you call them family because that's kind of what you long for is to have this connection and this community, but then here you are in your extended family with the blood relatives, and that's that's kind of the cold part of it, because that one you just can't get out of whether you like them or not. But the other one, you choose to go with. And, you know, if you don't like a friend anymore, you can say, you know what, I think I'm not going to hang out with that friend anymore. I mean, I'll say hi when I see them, cool beans and stuff, but I don't really want to go there anymore. But with the family institution, you can't do that because family is family until you die, even if they kill you. And here you go and you have to go. So it's an interesting point because you can't just run away. It's impossible. It's a cult. <laughs> They'll come and get you. And so that's where the healing process and, and diving comes in into knowing, okay, I'm going to be kind of triggered here. What do I need to do to protect my energy how do I need to prepare myself because there's this wedding and I kind of want to go because there's always, always people in the family that are cool. Like out of 30 people, there's a three or four that just get you, you know, that are kind of cool and that you just connect with and you want to hang out with them. And of course, all the little kids, I love kids. There's never a kid that I don't like. 
Um, the problem I have is with the adults. And since I'm an adult, I mean, I'm pretty sure some people have a problem with me. I'm, I'm in your face. I'm raw. I, I just say it like it is. And people don't like that. I understand. You all don't have to come to my house when I have a family gathering. It's okay. I won't take it personally. And I'm trying to decult this place. No cults in here. And I say that even for my kids. You know, we had this big dinner tonight and it was a whole family. My teenager had other plans. She was going to go to the beach. I said, no, you have to go. Why do I have to go? And it's so boring. And I thought, you know, here I am working the cult again. It's not a wedding. It's not something huge. It's just a family gathering and it's a beautiful day in San Diego and she's, her friends are here from college and it's spring break. Go to the beach. Fine. You don't need to go to the dinner. Of course, I got to the dinner. Where's your daughter? She's at the beach. Oh, at the beach. Yes, she got the teenage pass and she's at the beach. Big effing deal. You know, she came home later. I had dinner with her. We had a good time. And I'm keeping this relationship free. Free. You know, there's different battles to fight. But the one of like, you have to go to the cult is one that I'm trying to end. Um, and I have, you know, <laughs> I have friends that say, gosh, I can't believe you say that. I mean, I think that, but I, I can't say it. And to be honest, we're all going to die. So why not say it? I'm not saying, you know, I'm ungrateful for my family. God knows they would step in and help me out if I needed anything and that they know that I care for them and I love them. There's a, there's a very big difference between love and adoration. And I don't think we realize what that is. To love someone is to be so grounded in your own love that you allow and that you, you observe and you hang out and you support. To adore is like this, like this need and this grasping of you have to come and you have to do this because I am your elder and you need to do this. Well, no, do you? No. I mean, it's not necessary. I want to be so mm, grounded and aligned and, you know, connected to, you know, the source and sp the spirit of God or whatever you guys call it and universe and just so worked out in my own healing and personal transformation in this journey of life that I can go be with the family and be myself and observe and not be triggered. But that, my friends, is really fucking hard. It really is because there's just so many things that go down. And so this is um, an opportunity for me to just share this. And as I'm talking about this, I feel even freer and I feel like, yeah, it's okay to say these things. Who cares? It's not a big deal. We're not offending anyone. That's the whole part of the cult. I'm not offending. I'm curiously, curiously just noticing things and, you know, saying them here in case you feel like this. Hey, you get to just say you heard on a podcast that this and this and that, and that, you know, maybe it's okay to set a boundary and not go to a specific place and maybe skip the whatever family dinner or that other organizational dinner because or that get together because you'd rather, you know, go to the beach and read a book and, you know, hang out with other friends or create your own family. I have so many amazing friends that like have their own little families that, you know, the mom was kind of a jerk or the dad left or the grandma, da, 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 da. And they have these communities that are like real and tight and, and they don't have this trauma of <laughs> having to have been 
raised with these people telling them what to do or what to feel or not what to do or not what to feel and hiding secrets and X, Y, Z. And so it's a fresher kind of organic um, friend-made family. Like these Friendsgiving parties. Their Friendsgiving parties are probably way more fun than the actual Thanksgiving family party that you have to go to. And this guy also says, okay, in this book, he reads um, Anne Lamott, you know, writes this. You own everything that happened to you. Tell your stories. If people wanted you to write warmly about them, they should have behaved better. (laughs) And then he says he doesn't interpret this as a license to rant, and neither do I, by the way. You know, it's just, it's just just a reaction, just a topic, just a, just a Tales of Recovery podcast right here where I share as I recover from, you know, thoughts and things that process in my mind and hopefully it could be helpful to anybody else that listens to it. And if you have people that are struggling with their family and that, oh, my mom, I can't forgive her and oh, my dad and this and that, um, that's a lot of work, and it's cool to try and do the work. But if you can't, you know, you don't have to. Um, beat yourself up about it. You're not alone in this cultish creation of messed up humans that we are. You know, a lot of my clients, all we ever talk about is how the grandmother did this to them, and the mother did that to them, and the father wasn't there, and this and that, because we have these expectations of perfection. And parents aren't gods. And neither are grandparents, and we're all going to mess up. So the greater awareness that we can create of this and be grateful for the other friends and the new families that we can actually create and that we can heal before we show up to these nuclear cults and say, speak our mind kindly without being all triggered and angry because we've done the work that we have to do of you know, contemplating and, and speaking about this and journaling and, and healing. And, and then you can show up as this whole human being and tell your kids, look, we're not gods, and neither are grandma and grandpa, and neither are aunt and uncle. We're just humans here trying to do the best we can. But the more aware we are of how this affects us, because it has, and the more aware we are of the work that we need to do in order to heal and change these patterns, then we don't have to dish it out to our kids anymore. And there, there's you know our kids to their kids and our kids to their kids. And let's just wake the heck up and realize that there's other options and that there's bigger things, and that love can be so much better when it's healing holy and not an obligation or an adornment or an adoration. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, just notice, are you in a cult or are you in a family? Do you make them do things? Um, and, you know, you can go down the rabbit trail of, well, then how are they going to be? No, you can teach your kids to be kind and compassionate and to serve you know, the world and the planet and to have a passion. And not just because you don't go to the culture are they going to go become criminals. On the contrary, you know. But it's just, let's just be aware. And it starts with me, right? It starts with you. It starts with us. It starts with noticing. And it starts with speaking about it and not keeping things secret. <sighs> Thank you so much for listening. I honestly, this is like, these sessions are super cool for me and I'm having fun with life because it's going to end guys. It's going to end. We're all going to die. 
And so pretend you're in your deathbed 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years from now, looking back, what did you do? How did you change? How did you transform yourself and in turn others? How did you speak about whatever was coming up, you know, and did you offer your medicine to the world? Recover, recover what's yours as a birthright, which is thinking free thoughts, being able to change, transform, and live a life of freedom. And that's it for today. Thanks so much for listening to Tales of Recovery. We'll see you next time.